Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to the 52nd episode of the Morning Round Trip Podcast here on Trade Deadline Day, August 31st. My name is Drew Frank, joined by my co-host Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. And today's show is going to be a little bit different with a little less emphasis on what happened on the field yesterday and some more time spent dissecting the trades and the movements because that's where the top stories lie. The biggest trade we saw was with the busy San Diego Padres. They made three major trades yesterday, adding on to the Trevor Rosenthal acquisition of the day before. But the biggest one came late last night as they swung a seven-player trade with the Seattle Mariners. Going to Seattle, Ty France, Taylor Trammell, Luis Torrens, Andres Munoz, and going to San Diego... Austin Nola, Austin Adams, and Dan Altavilla. Now, there's a lot to go through here. I think from my perspective, I know you're not a big fan of this from the San Diego side. I think if you kind of break it down, a lot of these pieces make sense to be moving. But the overall consensus is that this trade is probably sided towards Seattle. I think Seattle wins this trade. Just simply, you look at the the ages of the guys involved. I mean, yes, Ty France is 26 years old, but Tremel's 22, Terenz is 24, and Munoz is 20. And they've been moved for guys who are 30, 29, and 27, respectively. You look at this from the San Diego side, you acquire another catcher, so that makes Jason Castro and Austin Nola, and that means you have four guys on your Major League roster who have the ability to be moved who currently play the catcher position, so it's likely that we see some of those guys moved on. But for Seattle, I mean, this is everything you could hope for. You move on from some older guys who aren't going to help you uh, when you hope to finally get your rebuild finished. And I mean, Ty France will be a little bit older when that happens, but guys like Tremel, Terenz, and Munoz will all be pretty much in the primes of their careers when uh, the Seattle Mariners try to make some runs. Yeah, I don't know necessarily how much value Ty France is really going to give. There's a guy that I have no problem moving him if I'm San Diego. He's basically just been a worse Cronenworth and an older Cronenworth a guy who is not going to give you too much defensively. His bat has been hit or miss, hasn't had too much of a chance to really prove himself, but hasn't really earned too much time as well. 26, as you said. Luis Torrens would be fifth on this catcher depth chart behind Mejia, behind Hedges, behind Castro, and now behind Nola. So, sure, throw him in. He's 24. And the other two guys, Andres Munoz, a, a detail you didn't mention when you're talking about how he is as a, a powerful 20-year-old. He's already had Tommy John, and the control's not there, and you know he doesn't have the stamina to start. So, an already injured, lack of control, relief prospect, I don't hate moving on from. And then, if you boil it down to mostly going to be Taylor Trammell for Austin Nola, I think it makes sense. Of course, Munoz is a bigger piece than an afterthought. He certainly does matter here. But Nola, you're getting a catcher who can hit around 300s, which is really valuable for a team that struggled to get offense from the catching spot. And a couple of bullpen pieces that aren't going to be too much, but 
Alta Villa will help their team right away. And if you're contending, I think this trade makes sense. And Tramel is a guy that the Padres are moving on from. And I think the consensus uh, that we've seen from a lot of the MLB insiders is that the Padres weren't as satisfied with the way that Tramel had progressed. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that he's being moved on here, but this is the second time he's been traded in the past 13 months. So I think that's a, an interesting detail. And he was San Diego's number five prospect and a guy who was a former first round pick back in 2016. So I, I think if you're looking at this as the key pieces, it is Tramel for Nola, like you said, but definitely maybe some throw ins, but uh, some guys to maybe keep an eye on as well in this deal. And two key numbers I want to put out there. Taylor Trammell, you mentioned they weren't happy with his development. He drops on baseball prospectus from the 11th prospect in baseball before last year to the 69th prospect before this year. That's a major drop-off for a guy who's still only 22, but you know there's raw athleticism there. And for Austin Nola, you mentioned he's 30, but because he spent so much time coming up and struggling in the minors and being a fringe AAA guy before he converted to a catcher, he's under team control through 2025. But as a right-handed hitting catcher, as you see with a lot of teams, they weren't satisfied with just him. They go out, and before they acquire Nola officially, I'm not sure if this had been in the works or decided, they acquire a left-handed hitting catcher, Jason Castro, from the Angels. This trade, I think, is a lot more one-sided in favor of the Padres. Of course, Castro, you're not really getting him for much as a guy that is only going to play the rest of the season in playoffs and then be gone as a free agent at the end of the year. And he's not an offensive standout per se, but with a WRC plus right around 100 last couple of years and 115 against righties this year, he's a guy that'll help make this team better and they don't give up too much in return. Nope. Moving on to the other side is Gerardo Reyes, a 27-year-old right-handed reliever. Uh, he's a guy who has really good minor league numbers, but you know, not exactly a guy who's... Uh, legitimized himself in the major leagues and at 27 years old I mean maybe you can bring him up at some point if you're the Angels in the next couple of seasons maybe even this season but I think this is one of those situations where the Padres want more offensive catching for the the rest of this season so they get Castro and they move on from a 27 year old guy who probably wasn't gonna find a spot in their bullpen immediately and we mentioned in the last deal they got two other bullpen arms in Austin Adams and Dan Altavilla. so he's just a guy who ended up being expendable. Now the last trade we're going to cover that the Padres made yesterday was actually the first trade they made which was going out and acquiring Mitch Moreland from the Boston Red Sox a guy that'll come over and play either first or DH depending if they want him in the field or Hosmer I think Moreland's probably your better option, but we'll see what they do. In return, they give up two prospects. They give up their number 17 prospect in Hudson Potts, a powerful corner infielder that's a righty bat that will probably play mostly third base. He's a power guy, and you can see that as his average has dropped as he's gone up to the minor league levels. He only hit 216 in over 500 double-A plate appearances. And they give up their number 28 prospect, a lottery ticket center fielder, 20-year-old Jason Rosario, a guy that speedy contacts but not a lot of power. Again, only 20 years old, so a lottery ticket for Boston. They get two prospects back from Mitch Moreland, and I think from Boston's side, you've got to be pretty happy with this. I mean, Mitch Moreland's a guy who's 34 years old, and on the season, he's got 67 at-bats. Now, in those 67 at-bats, he does have a 1.177 OPS, and he's hitting 328. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, 
I think this is a good deal for both sides, really, because, I mean, Eric Hosmer has played well for the Padres, but like you said, Moreland probably uh, a better option in the field, so you can probably DH Eric Hosmer against right-handed pitching. On the other side of the coin for the Boston Red Sox, I think Potts and Rosario are both two good acquisitions. You get a, a power guy who probably isn't the focus of this deal in terms of prospects going the other way, and Rosario, a 20-year-old guy who's just extremely athletic, uh, and he's number 28 in the San Diego Padres prospect system. So I think this deal makes sense. I mean, if you're the Red Sox, you don't think you're going to contend this season. So uh, move on from the older guys and try to get some younger pieces in. Boston also frees up a roster spot for Bobby Dalbeck, a top prospect who was actually promoted immediately, played yesterday, and homered in his major league debut at Fenway cool to see for him hopefully a guy that can make a difference and give some optimism for the the Red Sox who have not really had too too much on the field outside of a guy like Mitch Moreland so far but for the Padres clearly they are not done they were tied very closely to Clevenger and we thought that we might see a trade yesterday but a team emerged late to interfere with that other reports have been that they've been really close to Gallo Starling Marte another big splash before their deadline comes to an end. And you mentioned they've got four catchers now that can play at the major league level. Expect to see one or two of them moved today to to kind of clear up that situation. Either Mejia or Hedges, if they can get anything for either of them. I think Mejia, if you can move on from him, you want to. He hasn't really shown too much, but we'll see there. And we heard coming into this, they were looking for pitching, and they haven't addressed their pitching yet. So we saw them add to their bullpen. The rotation's still the same. We'll see. Keep an eye on the Padres today. There are two trades made from Baltimore, one really early in the morning, where we saw Tommy Malone ship to Atlanta so early that he joined his new club and pitched last night on Sunday Night Baseball. Didn't go great for him, to say the least. He gives up eight hits and seven runs. In only two and a third. Atlanta, another team, keep an eye on them. They've got to add another arm with the injuries they've faced. And Tommy Malone isn't going to cut it. Mark Faison has actually reported that they might have been the team that interfered with the Padres getting Clevenger. So maybe they're in the market for him. Lance Lynn... I don't know, Bob Nightingale also added to that report saying that the Indians were looking for physicals from two teams on players that might be in a Clevenger trade, but neither of those two teams were the Padres, so the Braves could definitely be in that. All they give up for Tommy Malone is two players to be named later, but Baltimore, from their end, they add on even more young talents as they also move Michael Givens yesterday to the Rockies. They pick up. Another player to be named later, and two named guys, Tyler Nevin and Taryn Vavra, both 23-year-old infielders. Nevin was the first-round pick of the Rockies back in 2015, a top-ten guy in that Rockies organization. If things go well, The Athletic wrote an article comparing him to Trey Mancini, Christian Walker, as a best case, a guy that's got some line drive gap power, but not necessarily going to hit 50 home runs. And for Vavra, they kind of compared him to uh, Colton Wong with a little less glove or a a Kevin Newman, a guy that'll hit for contact and not strike out a lot, put the ball in play. So could be two pieces there. You get that for a reliever and you got to be happy with that. But Baltimore, they still have some pieces. 
Tanner Scott, Miguel Castro, Paul Fry, a starter, maybe a bat. So again, another team I would expect to see them making moves today. And your Cubs go out and they get Jose Martinez. He returns the NL Central and another bat that they add, another lefty killing bat they add for a deadline for back-to-back years. And after a night where we saw three Cubs outfielders hit two home runs each, which I thought was pretty interesting because I saw a stat reported that's the first time since 1901 that every single starting outfielder hit two or more home runs in a game. Uh, You just add more power in that outfield position now with the DH in the National League this year. It's more likely that Jose Martinez will be playing the designated hitter spot as we know that David Ross likes Cal Schwarber in left. And I mean, you're never going to replace Jason Hayward in right field with that gold glove prowess that he has. So I think that this is a good move for the Cubs. You move two players to be named later. So we'll see who those guys end up being. But I mean, Jose Martinez is a guy who will beat up on left-handed pitching. So uh, that's always a good sign when, you know, you go out and focus on guys who you can sort of platoon I like this deal for the Cubs because it's a more immediate move, obviously with two players to be named later going the other way. Uh, This is going to be a deal where the Cubs sort of reap the benefits right away if there are benefits. And, you know, Tampa Bay waits to be seen what they get in return for them. And I'd expect the Rays to add an arm today with all the injuries they've faced. They, they sell here, which they're always kind of buying and selling at the same time, but keep an eye for them to be active once again today. And our final piece of news is unfortunately a positive test of COVID-19 from the A's organization. Their game was canceled with Houston yesterday, and they have an update today so they can kind of come up with a plan, do some contact tracing, see what they're going to do. We haven't heard yet. And Houston was supposed to host Texas, but as they were home against Oakland, supposed to be home against Texas, Texas would be going into that same clubhouse where Oakland just tested positive in. So we don't know if that game or series will happen, if they'll play it in Texas, if they'll play in Houston, if they'll play at all. So we wait to hear from the MLB about that. But we'll quickly run through our games we predicted yesterday. Again, the top story was the news that happened off the field. One of our three games didn't even happen. It was that Oakland-Houston game that was canceled. But first, we'll start in Florida, where we saw Tampa Bay destroy the Marlins 12-7 and sweep the three-game sets. Sandy Alcantara, a little shaky in his return, didn't look overly great to say the least. Gave up three runs in the very first inning with a solo shot from Wendell, a two-run bomb by Susugo, and couldn't really settle in. Ends up giving up eight runs, only five of them earned after some shaky play by Brian Anderson and a wild throw later on in the inning. But this game was iced later on. Adamas hit a grand slam right after Alcantara left. Kiermaier hit a two-run shot, and it was 12-2 when Blake Snell was pulled. Snell himself looked pretty good. Goes five innings, two earned runs, both on solo shots. And pulled after 75 pitches. He probably could have gotten a quality start, but they're easing him into the season. Why leave him in a 12-2 game? And this game finished 12-7 because Banda came in for the Rays, gave up a five spot in the sixth, and then (laughs) the game held at 12-7. But for Banda, DFA'd as soon as the game was over. (laughs) That's that's a little tough when uh, you know how strapped this team is for relief pitching to have that kind of outcome. Bit of a Mike Fultonevich situation here. I mean, you get shelled and then you get DFA right after the game. It's uh, got to be a terrible feeling 
for Banda there. But I mean, in a situation where you're up 12-2, like you said, there's no point in leaving Blake Snell in a game and potentially risking injury. Uh, a really strong offensive output from Tampa Bay in this one and jumping out to a 12-2 lead early on is really, really solidifying why people think that they might take the AL East from the Yankees one of those situations where if they can maybe add a key piece here at the deadline, they're going to really make a case for themselves being favorites in the playoffs. And a much quieter game in Detroit as they complete a three-game sweep over the Twins. That's five losses in a row for Minnesota, who are now a game and a half back of both Cleveland and the White Sox, and only half a game ahead of the Blue Jays in the wildcard race. In this game, Maeda pitched really well. He goes six innings, three earned runs. The first run against him, an RBI single by Miguel Cabrera. After that, two solo shots and nothing else. Doesn't walk a batter, strikes out eight. Looked pretty good on the whole. He pitched better than Casey Mize, that's for sure. Mize only goes three innings. He gives up two earned runs, and that was all the scoring the Twins would get. Mize pulled early because the command wasn't there. He walked two guys and hit three guys in just three innings. The command was the reason for the first earned run as he spiked the ball. That would be a wild pitch to bring home the first run of the game for Minnesota. After that, it would be a solo shot from Polanco, and that was it. Both bullpens kept it quiet. Detroit throws six scoreless innings of relief, and that'll do it. So tough for the Twins, but at the end of the day, this is an offense that needs to score more than two runs against a team like the Tigers, especially when you knock the starter out after only three innings. And Casey Mize's control has probably been the biggest question mark in the few starts he's made at the major league level. And this one with the two walks and three hit batters. And you mentioned the wild pitch to start things out early on. I think if you're the Minnesota Twins, you're definitely disappointed in the offensive production that you got from your team. I mean, you have a guy who's leading the American League in home runs and Nelson Cruz and, you know, so many other parts of that lineup have the ability to put some runs up on the board. And you'd think after bouncing the starter with just three innings pitched, you'd be able to get some more offense going. Um, This is a rough situation for Minnesota, who are really trying to keep pace in that AL Central, but continue to fall behind. A quick note for that game, Miguel Cabrera hits his 2,000th hit with the Detroit Tigers, so congratulations to him, and he joins a very exclusive list of Detroit Tigers with 2,000 hits, a certified Hall of Famer, no doubt. And moving quickly to the games tonight, we see more action in the AL Central. Cleveland takes on Kansas City. Now, again, as I mentioned, tied for that first place spot in the AL Central. They throw Shane Bieber out on the mound against Brad Keller. Keller has looked good so far. He's impressed me personally. They go tonight at 8.05 p.m. Eastern. Who you got in this one? Shane Bieber. Yep. <laughs> Simple as 6-0, 1.35 ERA. Been probably the best pitcher in the major leagues this year. I think it's an easy choice. I agree. I think Bieber takes that one, which puts even more pressure on Rich Hill and the Twins, who host the White Sox tonight. Mention the Twins are slipping. They need a win. They go up against Lucas Giolito, who has been one of the best pitchers in baseball. I want to see Rich Hill do well as a guy. I think it's easy to root for him, but I got to put my money on Giolito. He looks locked in this year. Man, and with the way that the Twins' bats have sort of been scuffling as of late, it's really tough to see Lucas Giolito putting out a performance that doesn't really limit their offensive production. Now, he did come away with a no-hitter in his last start, obviously, but that was against the Pittsburgh Pirates, a very different team on paper. Uh, It'll be interesting to see who comes away with it in this one, but I think I'm with the White Sox in this. 
And finally, the Phillies go up against the Nationals tonight, and they run into Eric Fetty, who has impressed me so far for the Nationals. He's up against Spencer Howard for the Phillies, and I've got to stick with Fetty. He's going to look great in relief, and I want to see him continue that as a starter. If you're the Philadelphia Phillies, I think you try to ride the massive offensive output you got in your last game and, you know, to to try to battle back from a deficit early on like they did last night. I think maybe you have the confidence to beat up on Eric Fetty in this one. Well, that'll be it for our show today. You can bet we'll come back with all sorts of news and discussion tomorrow. You can find the show on Twitter at Trip Morning and on Instagram at Morning Round Trip. And for Drew Frank and Liam Crothers, have a great day.